Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Plant Powered People podcast with your hosts, Michelle Kane and Tony Okamoto. In today's episode, we are bringing you actually a bonus episode. So, season two wrapped up months ago, and season three is kicking off on October 1st. But we've been home with this pandemic, and we just couldn't wait to come and talk to you all. So today we're going to be doing an update of some of our latest favorite things, how we've been surviving the pandemic, things we've been loving and getting into, and just there's been a lot of change and different things that we've been using, trying out, doing, and we imagine the same for you. So we wanted to take this time to do this little bit different episode and hope you guys enjoy. This episode is proudly sponsored by our new cookbook, which we are so excited about it. It comes out on October 27th. It's called The Friendly Vegan Cookbook. We have poured our hearts and our souls and we're so just proud and excited and we hope that you pre-order. It would mean the world to us. And if you go to friendlyvegancookbook.com, you can even get a bonus incentive for pre-ordering, which is an ebook with four of our favorite recipes from the cookbook. Yep. And also we are personally buying a Vitamix to give to one of the people who pre-orders the cookbook. So that's another bonus incentive. This is something we've poured our hearts and souls into. It's our baby coming to life. We've been working on this for so, so long and are so excited to share these 100 recipes that we have been testing and retesting and perfecting and cooking throughout this past year plus. So yes, we can't wait to share with you the Friendly Vegan Cookbook. All right, now on to our favorite things right now. Yeah, so we're going to jump into some things that have been carrying us through these different times. <laughs> Podcasts, books, cookbooks, movies, shows. Let's kick it off with podcasts. So as many of you know, I'm a new mom. I have a little baby who just turned six months old. And I have a lot of times where I'm either walking him outside or walking around the house or just doing housework. Um, and in those moments, I want to use every single moment that I have to to have a little bit of me time. And podcasts have been a really great way to do that. I know a lot of you can relate. And so two of the podcasts that I have been absolutely obsessed with lately, the first one is This Might Get Uncomfortable. It's a podcast by both of our friends, Whitney Lauritsen and Jason Robel. They are longtime vegans, more than a decade focused on sort of eco-vegan topics. And Jason Robel is a celebrity chef and has very health-minded, had a TV show, all sorts of stuff. But their podcast is just super candid. They talk about all sorts of life things. They get really real and raw. And they just are both so wise. I just feel like in every episode, I take away so many nuggets of wisdom. So I have been loving that show. For me, I really haven't been listening to a lot of podcasts, but a ritual that we have in our home is to, on Sundays, go sit in our backyard in the sun with our doggy and listen to Meet the Press, which is a political podcast. It kind of gives me an update of what's going on. And the host, whose name is Chuck Todd, He's really entertaining to me. He is not afraid to ask hard questions of politicians and health professionals as they battle in the election and in the pandemic. So 
it's really interesting to hear these experts, but also to hear Chuck Todd be a little bit aggressive in asking the tough questions about where we are and why why we're in this these conditions. So I recommend it if you're interested in things about politics. And I have one other favorite. It is Adulting Like a Mother Father. It's a podcast hosted by Daniela Monet and Andrew Gardner. And they're both new parents. So that's what kind of inspired me to start listening. But they talk about all sorts of different things relating to adulting and being, especially stepping into being an adult for the first time. And again, they also get really raw about, you know, relationships, parenting, life, home management, finances, all sorts of things. So if like myself and Tony, you're you're newer into stepping to adulthood, that's a really great one to listen to. Because I don't feel like I'm new to adulthood. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I've been adult, You're an adult an old for, soul. <laughs> I feel like I've been an adult for so long now with with um Well, you just bought a house. I mean, that's big. You just got married. You're you're, true. you're just starting a garden. You have a yard that you're managing for the first time. You're an entrepreneur like launching your business. I mean, there's a ton of stuff that you're doing that's that's new to adulting. That's true. However, I did buy my first house when I was 23 and managed that by myself and had a garden there, but I am adulting with someone and that's different <laughs> and having having a relationship and deciding together how we want our lives to look is is different than doing things solo I will say oh that Oh my gosh completely different <laughs> The other stuff of managing finances and buying a house and having a garden and making decisions for myself is not something that's new Well, props to you for feeling like an adult since you were a wee little bitty child. (laughs) I still feel like a child and I feel like I'm faking it till you make it as an adult so hard. Like I am a, I have a child now. There's no, there's nothing more adult than being a parent to someone else. And I still feel sometimes like I'm walking in someone else's shoes and really I'm still just a kid. So I'm really grateful to my parents for giving me a lot of responsibilities early on and to, and for just encouraging me without choice (laughs) to uh, get my first job when I was 16 and to become financially independent. And so I feel like since I was 18, I've been supporting myself and supporting yourself and making things work just is very adult to me. In every chapter, it's you face different challenges. And so it's really been helpful for me to find podcasters who are in the same kind of life challenges that I'm going through and listening to that. It gives a sense of camaraderie, especially in these times where we're feeling a little bit alone. So whether that that chapter is sort of stepping into the life of adulthood or you're well beyond that and you're studying business or you're working from home or you're struggling with your marriage or you're single and looking for something, like find those resources that make you feel not alone and you that you can like enjoy those struggles with someone else who's working their way through it and has good advice to share. I totally agree with that. I know that when starting business, that was so helpful for me to listen to so many different podcasts and listen to so many different books where people were dealing with the same struggles and listening to them talk about how they succeeded and failed was just extremely helpful. So yes, I agree with that. Yes. So speaking of that, let's move on to books. And speaking of business and sort of adulting, I just went on a little bit of a book buying rampage. I am sort of 
I guess I've been managing people for a long time. In my past job, I I managed people. So I've been a manager. But for the first time, now that I have a team at World of Vegan and Bea and Gina and my team, and I want everyone to work work well together and be awesome. And I want to support them all the best that I can. I realized that I've never actually studied managing and being a leader as much as I, I want to. And so I bought a ton of books. Not only on that topic, I sort of started looking at all of the very highly rated books in that sort of business self-development realm. The one I'm reading right now is called Crucial Conversations. And I just saw it because it was very had a ton of five-star ratings and seemed to be very valuable to people. So I got that book and it's already, I'm only a little bit of the way through, but really helpful if you struggle having those more difficult conversations that can actually impact the course of your life. And that could be in not only in work, business, relationships, marriage with friends, all those things. Um, so that that book has been really helpful. And then, yeah, I also picked up the book, The Art of Saying No, which I haven't read yet, but again, is really highly rated. And I've heard a lot of people talking about that book before. And that is something that I have struggled with a lot throughout my life. I've gotten so much better in past years. Right now, pretty much my default answer is no. And if I'm going to say yes to something, it's because I really, really want to do it and want to prioritize it because I just don't have the time to take on a lot extra. I have so much on my plate already. And it's been like that for years since becoming an entrepreneur and starting my own business. I realized I no longer can just be saying yes to everything, which used to be my default. And as much as it was really hard to learn how to to say no, even though you want to do it all, like you just need to protect the space and time for you to be doing creative projects that you initiate and that you prioritize rather than just being at the whim of what other people are asking of you. So anyway, I'm looking forward to reading The Art of Saying No. And Tony, I can't wait to hear what books you're reading lately. Mine are pretty different than yours. Some of them are political and some of them are for fun. And then one is called Why Marriages Succeed or Fail by John Gottman. And that one's just really interesting to me. I'm Our, our friend Milena is a relationship therapist and is a big fan of the Gottmans who study in this space and have been studying relationships and intimacy for decades and have an institute in the Pacific Northwest, I believe. Uh, And she's regularly posting articles written by them. And I've, I've been fascinated about how when you look at relationships, there's often a there, there are signs of whether or not it would succeed or fail. And sometimes they are not obvious. And this book I'm listening to it so you can hear them in their voices and in their using the connotations that they they would like you to. Uh, they play out different scenarios of different people who are in relationships with either the same style and personality, relationship style and personality, or very different from each other. And sometimes I'll think, oh, those people are definitely getting a divorce. But then he'll be like, no, they work well together because they do X, Y, Z. And so just to hear what's working for other people and to know that I can still be myself, even though it's very different than my spouse, it can work for us. And I, I love being married so far. I'm a year and a half in, and it's so important for me to 
maintain a healthy and happy relationship. I feel like doing this maintenance up front and continuing to grow together is a huge priority of mine. And I just want all of the tools and resources to make sure that we stay as happy and with good communication as we currently have, because I know that when we're together for 20 years, it may be more challenging or when we're together for 30 years, it may be more challenging. So just to put this effort in and to gain the skills and um, coping mechanisms and, and everything else up front makes me feel better. That's awesome. Tony, I'm always so inspired by how much thoughtfulness you put into the things that matter to you in spaces where a lot of people, and I see myself as also, just kind of roll with the flow and aren't super thoughtful about it. And relationships are one of those things where I don't really overthink it. But as you're talking about this, I'm like, oh, I should read that book. Dan and I just celebrated our five-year anniversary since getting married. But we've been together, pretty much living together for 10 years. So it's been a full decade being together. And while it doesn't feel like we're in a period of strife or struggle right now, that's almost the best times to to read things that can let you know what you can be doing to keep things good, (laughs) you know? So I, I can't wait to read that. I think that that's untrue. What I'm saying is I believe that you are incredibly thoughtful and even putting in the effort to learn different management styles and to pick and choose the kind of manager you want to be is exciting. And I love, I love hearing what you learn. Thanks, Tony. (laughs) Another book that I'm reading or that I recently read is Promise Me Dad by Joe Biden and Where the Light Enters by Jill Biden. And I feel like with the election coming up, I I've wanted to be as informed as possible and know where I stand and why I stand there and listening to different books and podcast episodes and staying caught up in the news has just made me feel more comfortable with with my decisions uh, and so I read those books and I liked them both. And then for fun, I recommend a book called Born a Crime by Trevor Noah. I listen to it. I have Audible, so I get a monthly credit, but actually I get maybe multiple monthly credits. I don't know. I feel like I have a lot of credits and Born a Crime by Trevor Noah is so, so funny. He just tells the story of being of mixed race in apartheid and how it was illegal. So he had to basically hide sometimes. He had to walk behind his mother and not be seen with her. And it's just fascinating. And he's so funny that he can take something very serious and make you laugh hysterically. There were times where I was laugh crying, walking down the street on a walk, just like crying, laughing because he's so funny. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, I need to read that too. Cool. Any others? I think that's it. Uh, those are the those are the ones that are most recent. Awesome. Okay. So we want to then talk about cookbooks because <laughs> our cookbook. <laughs> you guys might hear us talking about this a lot because we've been living and breathing our cookbook, but it's actually interesting because we pretty much wrapped up the creation of all of our recipes right before the pandemic hit. So we had for a long time been developing recipes, testing recipes, making these things again and again and again. And usually when we work on a project like that, 
at the end of at the end of it, you just want some space and distance. It's like when you write something that you've looked over five million times, you just can't read it again. And it can kind of feel the same with recipes. But we finished writing the recipes for our book. Then the pandemic hit. And then without any expectations, like this really, we didn't feel the need to go back and keep making our recipes, but we just kept every day or every couple days, I would send Tony a picture. Tony would send me a picture of something that we made from our book because it was like what we were craving, what we were wanting. We just couldn't get enough of the recipes. And that just makes me so happy and excited and feeling even better about the resource that we've created. We wanted to create a book that was filled with recipes that you want to make again and again and will be staples in, in your life and a book that carries through with you over the years. But it really was nice to see that in my own personal life, it was playing out how we envisioned and being like what we want want to keep turning to for recipes. I'm not even joking, Michelle. In the past maybe two weeks, I've made the fettuccine Alfredo, the yellow curry, the mango smoothie, and the walnut pesto. So <laughs> I feel like even, even though... There are a million recipes on the internet and a million other cookbooks. I'm still going to our cookbook to choose these recipes. Hey, Michelle, I'm sorry. No I'm going to open the door. Just we'll a pause. second. Okay. So I got a dog. His name is Eddie, and he's awesome. And one thing about having a dog is that they're really protective. And so my doorbell rang, and then he went all wild. and. That's why I abruptly was like, look, gotta go. Uh, so sorry about that. No worries. And quick caveat, Tony, Tony's dog is so, so cute and also kind of internet famous. So you should definitely follow him on Instagram. His name is at Eddie the Pity, P-I-T-T-I. And he is really cute. He posts daily cuteness. If you want to follow daily cuteness, that's the channel you should go to. Let's jump into movies and shows. I know a lot of people have had so much more time to dive into watching some Netflix or Hulu or whatever and watching shows. I have not been so luck so lucky. <laughs> uh, life is so busy when I'm not being a mom in all those spare moments. I, I I'm usually working, but in the moments I have had to watch shows, I started watching Lennox Hill on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, it's a Netflix documentary series that follows around four doctors in a Manhattan hospital called Lenox Hill. Um, it's just eight episodes long, and it's kind of like Grey's Anatomy, but a real life version. So th these are a, a real hospital, unscripted, real doctors. It follows an OBGYN. It follows someone on the front lines in the ER. It follows two brain surgeons. And it is just so fascinating, beautifully filmed. It really is hard to believe that it is real life and unscripted, but the fact that it's real just makes it captivating. And then in their last episode, they did an episode after the pandemic hit, which is even more just, I think, so important to see and watch what's really happening in hospitals. I think so, so much of our information we get from social media and whatever news articles have been shared with us or that we read. And for me, it was just so interesting to see how things are actually playing out in a hospital, especially in New York during that time. Um, it's just really hard and sad and heartbreaking for sure. But um, yeah, it's, it's entertaining to watch and also informative and educational. And I highly recommend it. Michelle, I'm curious, is there, is there a romance? 
is there romance? Uh, there, I'm trying to think. There's not really, but it does work in relationships. So it's it's real life of people. So you see sort of like the struggle of marriage or relationships while you're working this job that is pretty all-consuming. But it definitely isn't like creating a love story or anything within within the script. <laughs> I wonder if it's if it's part partly scripted because one of the things I have on my list is kind of embarrassing. It's totally actually I'm not embarrassed. I love watching The Bachelor and Bachelorette. I know it's so terrible. I understand it's awful. I ugh, vomit, <laughs> but it's so entertaining. I I watch it. Uh, I started watching it because my best friend watches it and it was a way for us to have this thing in common. And so I text her all the time. And and then also the person who helps Michelle and I with our marketing for our book, her name is Heather. She and I now text about it all the time. And it's just a fun bonding experience. But anyway, I've read a lot of what it's like for the contestants. And it seems as though a lot of it is actually scripted. So it seems like it's reality TV, but there is a fair amount of acting. So I'm wondering if that's the same with Lennox Hill. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's clear that they they know they're being filmed and followed around, but you're also following like a cancer patient or patients that are getting brain surgery and some of them make it, some of them don't make it. And so those things and those appointments, like as much as perhaps they're scripted or having people sit in a place where there's good lighting maybe or something like that, like they're very, very real life stories. Does that make you extra sad? Oh my God. It is. It's really heartbreaking. I, so yeah, if you can't handle watching sad things, maybe don't watch it. I know that might be extra hard right now where just the world is really heavy. I know for me, I've just had to like turn off a lot because it's too much for my heart to hold. But I do really appreciate seeing the reality of the shortness of life and watching things like this really makes me feel extra grateful for my life, the things that I have. (laughs) And I take away positivity from that. But if it's something that's just going to break you down and put you into a deep depression, (laughs) then maybe don't watch it. Oh, yeah. I wanted to share that. So my husband, Dan, does this new movie club with his family, which I thought was a really fun idea. I thought I'd share in case it's helpful for any of you. So Dan's family lives in Ohio. We've long been far away from them. And so forever, for 10 years now that he's been living in California, every single Sunday, they Skype um, via Skype webcam and and talk. And so recently, since the pandemic hit, they decided to do this little movie thing where each week when they're talking on Sundays, one of them will pick a video, uh, sorry, pick a movie, and then they each have the week to watch the movie. And then the next call, they can kind of catch up on it and talk about the movie. And then it goes to the next person to pick. And I thought that was a really, really fun idea. And also, if you have like a group of friends who who are of similar mindsets or maybe who like documentaries, like a fun way to do. So Dan's family, a lot of times they pick like horror movies or funny movies or whatever, but it'd be kind of cool to do educational or documentary type movies and then be able to talk with friends about that later. I thought that would be a cool idea. That would be a cool idea if your friends have good taste. And it sounds like, <laughs> it sounds like Dan's family has good taste since this is a positive experience for you. But uh, for example, my dad and I have such different tastes we were looking for shows for him to watch because he got really into The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And he's like, okay, 
what else is like the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel that I can watch? And I'm like, ooh, you should watch Ozark. Ooh, you should watch Unorthodox. And both of those are so not funny. <laughs> they're they're very big dramas. And uh, although I like them, he does not like that style of depressing, heart-aching show. But back to that, I watched Ozark and I watched Unorthodox and I liked them both. Ozark was a recommendation from my in-laws and it is pretty heavy. It's um, about about the Mexican drug cartel. If you don't like violence, I don't recommend it. It is kind of gory sometimes. Uh, And then unorthodox is really, really interesting. It's about an orthodox young girl who's married very young in New York City, and she doesn't want to be part of the orthodox community anymore. And so she flees to Berlin. And it's her experience living a normal life and what it's like when people are kind of chasing you, trying to force you to come back. It's really interesting. I loved Unorthodox. I thought that was so good. Me too. It's, I wish it were longer. The end was really good. No spoilers, but. I felt the same. They're coming out with all of these like short eight episodes that like Lennox Hill was so short. And I was like, I want to watch this forever. And same with Unorthodox. So it's like (laughs) such a teaser, especially because on Netflix, like I just fly through them so fast. (laughs) The last one was a recommendation from Bea, who works with Michelle and I, and she loved this show. She's like, I love this show so much. It's my favorite. And she and I usually have pretty similar tastes and we share what we're watching so that we can both watch it. And uh, and it, it's called Normal People. It was on Hulu and she liked that it was raw and realistic, but I... I thought it was pretty okay. It was okay. I read a review on it and it was so spot on. It was like, it's kind of awkward and it's it's about teenage. It's like a coming of age story of being a teen in love, treating people poorly because you don't have the the right skills to prioritize their feelings and your feelings at the same time. And, uh, and then it's going to college and trying again with the same people. Uh, so it's, it's just, it just makes you feel uncomfortable a lot. So if you like feeling uncomfortable <laughs> because people are treating each other in a weird way and being really authentic like that, like, you know, sometimes we say things we don't, we wish we hadn't said, or we treated someone that we cared about in a way that we wish we didn't. It's a lot of that. Oh my gosh. I watch some things that have those elements with Dan and I, it's so funny because I'll just be, I'll, I'll be looking at it like I would watch a normal show. And I look over with at Dan and he's like crumpled in a ball, like basically peeking through his fingers. Like he cannot, <laughs> he crawls in his skin when he's watching people just like do things that are so uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, Dan will be in the fetal position with a blanket <laughs> over his head. Pretty much the way that when he showed me the Get Out trailer and I was like crying, yes. he would probably be like that of oh, awkwardness. Hey back. <laughs> we don't have Hulu, but maybe we'll have to see. I'll let you have my password and you can watch it if you want to feel uncomfortable. Awesome. 
cool. I love feeling uncomfortable. Love, hate relationship with that feeling. My goodness. Okay. So those are movies and shows. Good, 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 good stuff. Oh, I also wanted to mention how you were saying when you have someone who has really different tastes than you. So my brother, who I met two years ago, is (laughs) the complete polar opposite of me in pretty much every way. So the things we're interested in, the things we care about, I actively dislike what he cares about and he actively dislikes what I care about. <laughs> but, but we love each other. Well, at least I love him. So one of the things that we've been doing, which has been really hard and I, lately I've just been too emotionally burnt out to do this, but when I feel mentally strong, as we'll swap. So we have opposite, we, we follow opposite news. We listen to opposite podcasts, all of it. So I'll pick a documentary for him to watch and he'll pick a documentary for me to watch. And I am then in the fetal position watching these documentaries and I feel so uncomfortable. But I also know that then he's watching like the game changers or what the health or something. And um, he even said he had a piece of spinach the other day. So, <laughs> wow. so I, yeah, that's good. I, I know Michelle sent me Uh, like an article or an author or something that her brother likes. And I was even (laughs) in the fetal position being like uh, rocking back and forth. Oh gosh. Uh, Oh my goodness. And I know, and I know everyone listening can probably relate no matter where you fall on the spectrum of life, issues, causes, politics, any of it, it can be really hard to see very, very differing opinions that feel like they go against the very your very heart and soul. <laughs> but trying to find ways to just connect with those those people and, you know, especially when it's your family, you you can't just write them off forever. <laughs> so yeah, doing little swaps like that can be an interesting challenge for both of you. We could talk about this for a whole other episode, but I as Michelle and I as everyone who listens knows, we we believe that kindness and compassion and friendliness can take you very far in what could potentially be um, a cause, a, a situation that's a cause for total separation. So some people don't want to compromise or listen to someone else's opinion because it differs. And Michelle and I continue, like we play the long game kindness, compassion, and over long periods of respectful dialogue, even if we're disagreeing, believe that's how change is made. Yeah. And it's not easy. It's for sure hard. I think the easy route is just saying, these people don't agree with me. They're saying things I don't like, so I will block them or cut them out. And sometimes you need to do that. I have found myself, especially now where it's just, these times are heavy. I've found myself needing to just step away Uh, more than usual. But when you have the strength and emotional capacity to take it on, um, yeah, be present in in not blocking people out who are different than you, because that's how we end up in the situation we're in today where no one understands each other. (laughs) I also want to be specific that I'm talking about a certain type of person in your life. So your brother, your dad, your mom, your best friend, whoever it is that has a differing opinion, whoever it is that's close to you, even if they're not your blood related family, that's where I focus my attention and give that compassion. The person who I went to middle school with and haven't talked to in 20 years is not where I'm trying to put that 
attention. So I understand that we have limited capacity and I, I feel like just being really thoughtful and strategic. I know that's a terrible word, but for me, it's so limited. I feel so deeply. I have to use that energy when talking to people who are in my family in a very strategic way so that I don't use it all up. Yeah, it is so draining to talk about things you deeply care about in a situation where it's not being received how you hope it is. And I fully agree. And I I hope that anyone listening does not use that limited pool of energy on long internet threads or comments on the internet because (laughs) that's not where real change is made 99% of the time. But yeah, okay, cool. Happier, happier notes. Let's talk about food. (laughs) So life has been a little different. We're all at home. We're shopping different. We're eating differently. Tony, what are some foods you've been loving? I have been really loving the basics. I eat rice and beans with avocado at least once a week. I make a big double batch of this golden rice that's on plant-based on a budget and cook some pinto beans in the pressure cooker and rely on that multiple times a week, probably at least two to three, one to three times. And that's one of my favorite things to eat. It's my go-to. And then of course, I always love soup. I make soup, I don't know, three times a week, three different soups per week. And then I also have been cooking things that are a little bit out of my comfort zone based on what I have in my garden. So trying to find new ways to use zucchini when my zucchini plant has produced over 60 zucchinis. Oh my gosh. And you're not just talking zucchini. Tony (laughs) dropped off a zucchini for me and it was the size of two of my faces put together. (laughs) It was huge. Yes, I have a lot of zucchinis and they grow so fast. I can't stay on top of them sometimes. And oh oh my gosh, I missed three zucchinis. They were just hiding because my plant is so big. And I pulled them out and I'm not even kidding. They were like the size of my thigh. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So what are some zucchini tips? Because I'm sure other people who are exploring gardening, maybe for the first time or maybe long time gardeners, how are some of the favorite ways that you've been using zucchinis? What's really cool about zucchini is that it takes on the flavor of whatever you're putting in. It's really neutral. So I've been shaving it into a lot of things for extra nutrition. So shaving it into things like pancakes or muffins or any baked good, and then putting it in any stir fry, any soup, any just really, really everything. It's, it's really versatile and it, is so neutral that you can't even put it in desserts and breakfast foods. Another thing I've been hearing people talk about with zucchinis is that you can throw them in smoothies, which I have not tried yet. But Tony, when you brought me your huge zucchini and I was like, how am I going to use this? I ended up using it in soups and stir fries. But since it has no flavor, it just adds a little bit of bulk to smoothies. I know a lot of parents do that for kids because it's a great way to get veggies in and they have no idea it's in there. So... Yeah, if anyone tries that, you'll have to let us know and I I will try it soon. <laughs> you have a spiralizer? I used to. Dan made me get rid of it because at the time we were living in our teeny little apartment and we had no room in our kitchen for any appliances. So he was like, you never use this. We have to get rid of it. But they're awesome. So spiralizers, you can make zoodles, which are zucchini noodles. And 
I mean, they don't taste like pasta, obviously, but they're in the shape and have that like reminiscent vibe. So you can put on sauce or pesto or whatever, and it can be actually quite yummy. I'm not a big Zoodles fan. I tried to get into it. I know that it's healthy, but I just I'd rather have pasta. I ate it one time when I was doing one week of raw, just I was doing all these different Whoa. challenges and I, I tried to do one week of raw. And so I was like, give me some pasta. Did you make that? Did you do that? Uh, I, I believe so. Yeah, I did four different weeks of different challenges. So I did like a gluten-free one. A what raw year was this? Ooh, I want to say like maybe like 2015 or something. I don't yeah, know. Because I vaguely remember. I did YouTube videos about it, at like sort of chronicling it. Anyway, okay. Oh, I also want to give a shout out to soup, zucchinis and soups, which I know Tony mentioned, but I put some zucchinis in a soup I made when my mom was over here and Dan and my mom were like, ew, you're putting zucchini in soup. And I had thought the same thing until huh. Tony made me a soup with zucchini in it. And it actually like, it's actually really good. You really, it has no flavor. You don't even notice it there. But when people see you putting zucchini in a soup, you're going to feed them. They're not going to like it. So they're not going to like the thought of it, but give it a chance. Give it a chance. I've never heard that. But yeah, I'll be aware now. Okay, but speaking of zucchini, hobbies, something that has really kept me happy during the pandemic, being home all the time, is spending time in the garden. I grew a lot of food, like hundreds of pounds of food. And it was cool because we planted some trees last year. And so they're now one year in. We planted a fig tree and a peach tree. And then in early, early March, we planted zucchinis, tomatoes, peppers, and more. And it got me really excited probably two months in. Then I started planting things from seed. So I planted flowers from seed and other other things. And now I'm really into it. I've got all kinds of things in my backyard and I just started a fall garden from seed. So I can see that my Brussels sprouts and my um, cauliflower and broccoli and all these leafy greens are doing really well coming into little seedlings. And I love it. I'm so mad at the pandemic because I know if it wasn't for the pandemic, I'd be seeing you like every week and getting to try some of your bounty. <laughs> oh my gosh. I wish that I wish I got to see you all the time because I have a million tomatoes. Oh my. Well, I will soon have a million tomatoes. The one thing, well, okay. I planted a Meyer lemon tree and a nectarine tree. The nectarine tree had beautiful nectarines on it and I was so excited. And then the squirrels got them all before they were anywhere near near ripe. So I, I had to mourn the loss of my nectarines. But I also started tomato plants from seed for the first time. And I did my first one, which is now growing up. He's like three feet tall and has flowers and will soon turn into little cherry tomatoes. But after I started that, I started like a few more in like little used yogurt cups and now I have like, I want to say six or eight up and coming tomato plants following after. And so yeah, soon I will have a lot of tomatoes. That's really cool. I've been doing all kinds of things, roasting them, putting them in salads, putting them in pasta sauce, putting them mm -hmm. everywhere. This oh my gosh. Tomatoes with everything. And so far, the easiest way, which is roasting them with a lot of garlic, like a whole head of garlic and a little bit of olive oil and balsamic vinegar is 
the best. And then afterward, you I just take some fresh herbs from my garden, whether it's parsley or Italian parsley or basil. I chop it up and then toss them with the roasted tomatoes. And it's really good on top of rice with some air fried tofu. Perfect meal. Oh my gosh. Speaking of air fried tofu, one of the things I've been loving is air fried sweet potatoes. And it's so good. You just chop them up like fries, stick them in the air fryer. I put on, oh, I put on some like salt. Actually, I say I, but really Dan has been making these. A little bit of oil, some red pepper flakes, salt, garlic powder, and air fry them up. And they're so good. And we put the recipe on World of Vegan too. So yummy. I love it. And I love how cooking from your garden makes everything so much healthier too. Like it just inspires you to cook based on seasonal produce, which is amazing. Yum, yum. Okay, so those are some of our hobbies. But another hobby that is also at home is home improvement. I've done some little things like fixing up some spots on the wall by repainting. If they were peeling or dirty, I just cleaned them and repainted. Then I moved on to bigger things like installing cabinets and framing things that I wanted to have up on the wall and just making it a cozier space. And then I got really ambitious and decided I needed to redo my bathroom. And so I watched a bunch of YouTube videos and tore off the tile with a demolition hammer that I rented. Pause and for a second. We need to insert that picture you posted of it on Instagram of you with your <laughs> safety glasses in your whole getup, like holding my a knee chainsaw pads. or something. <laughs> and I was just like, this is so great. When my dad was over, I showed it to my dad because I was just like, look at what Tony has become. And he was very impressed. And oh. it's that, that photo cracks me up. It's been really, it was really fun to see what the inside of my house looks like. I tore the, I tore the backer board off and got to see what it's like to build a space. Uh, But then it got a little bit complicated because some things in my shower were funky. It was an addition that I don't believe was done by a contractor. So my dad, when I was explaining to him the concerns I was having, He suggested that I have a contractor look to just double check if it is possible for me to do it. And I met the nicest contractor, his name is Travis, and he was just so reassuring. He is the type of person who was talking to me as as though I knew what I was doing and that I was capable. And just that confidence that he had in me made me want to hire him. Because I had talked to another contractor and he assumed the opposite. He was talking to me as though I knew nothing and it was a little bit condescending even. And I just had a bad experience with it. And so then talking to someone who was like, yeah, you could probably do this yourself, but there are some things I I would watch out for. And and just, I don't know, he had a lot more confidence in me. It, It made me feel really good about hiring him to finish the job. And I would say that Although I didn't finish it, I did save somewhere in the three to $4,000 in demo work, which made me feel good. That's awesome. Also, I feel like, okay, I want to bring this up because I th- feel like people can probably relate to it who are listening. This is something that you've experienced a lot and have talked to me about how you'll hire someone to do work on your house and they'll come over and they'll basically talk to you 
a little bit, but look for where's the man to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> like they, between you and your husband, they assume your husband is the one who's handy and knows the things about the houses. And it's the opposite. Like you can, you know, all of these things, Tony comes over and like fixes my faucet and my plumbing and whatever. Like she, she can do it all. Whereas like Paul is like not interested in being a handyman in any capacity. So it is really frustrating and fascinating how those expectations still exist in a big way in our society. I knew I wasn't hiring this one contractor when he had explained everything to me and I had taken my notes and then Paul got him and he was like, oh, well, let me, let me just talk to Paul about this stuff. Let me, I think he would want to know. And I was like, well, that's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, Paul does actively does not want to know anything that's happening. <laughs> yes. Paul has a, my husband has a really busy work life and that is a priority of his. And so when we decided to buy a house, one of the things that we agreed to was that I would help out around the house more because it was, it was more important to me. And that was one of the, his concerns about owning a house that it was that a lot of extra work that he didn't have time to commit to. And so it, it has worked out for us and whoever I work with, I need to, I need them to understand that this is my project and you should talk to me. So so it is your project and your home and you're equally capable as anyone else. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Cool. Well, I am so impressed by all the home improvement you've been doing, Tony. I I feel inspired and yet also have no time and energy to put into home improvement. So I haven't been able to do the same. Anything else hobbies wise you want to talk about? Well, having a dog has become a big part of my life. We love our dog so much. He is just the most perfect dog for us. And we take him to the dog park at least once a day, but sometimes twice. We try to give him two hours, a minimum of exercise per day. So that's the bare minimum, but sometimes we do three. And that's walking him, running with him, taking him to the dog park, going on hikes and things like that. So having a dog and hanging out with dog friends, hosting dog play dates, that's become a big part of my life. It's so funny because we became new parents at almost the same time. First, I had my human baby and there was a lot of thought put into how we're going to execute our like our work life and our friendship whilst also me becoming a parent. But then you spontaneously adopted a dog and I feel like it is almost the same amount of effort. Yeah, we have a, a nearly weekly play date with Eddie's friend Harley. And Eddie is now in Pitbull school where he's learning how to be a great Pitbull ambassador. So uh, on Sundays at 9 a.m., we were there every every day. And he is, I'm not, don't want to brag, but he is the model student there. So they're like, okay, watch Eddie do this. This is what everyone else should be doing. And I'm, I'm just such a proud parent beaming with happiness and pride for my sweet little doggy. Oh my gosh. I cannot even imagine what that's like because when I adopted Chance, he was the worst student in the class. They would show the models, look, you just do this, hold the treat up, then say sit, then they sit, just do this. It's easy. And so everyone's standing around and most dogs are like kind of getting it. And Chance is just like pulling at the end of his leash being like, let me get to that other dog. Oh my God, there's a squirrel jumping, like everything he's not supposed to do, he would do. 
Oh, I know those dogs in class. Poor Michelle. <laughs> I know. I feel so bad for them because they're obviously overwhelmed that yeah. their dog is the only dog who's barking really loudly or or just super distracted. And so I feel for you. Yeah. Yes. Um, but now that he's an old man and like 15 years old, he's just a sweet little angel that is he would be as a model in class these days just because he's too lazy to do anything else. <laughs> I love Chance. I think it's it's hard to think about him in that way because I've known him in his older, more yeah. mature, mature years. <laughs> and he's just so chill. And so when we have dogs sat for him or just hung out with him all weekend or week even, he's just chill. He's he like has grown into a dog. chill dog for sure, but he did not start out that way. Okay, dogs. Anyway, becoming a parent, whether you're a parent to a fur baby, a human baby, whatever, it is a big, beautiful endeavor and it definitely consumes a huge part of your life, but in the most beautiful ways. And I I can't wait for my baby to meet your baby, Tony. <laughs> I know. I can't. I was actually thinking about this the other day. I haven't held Graham since February. That's crazy. Yeah, that's one of these just heartbreaking things about the pandemic is having our kids grow up without socialization, without knowing our best friends, his auntie Tony, his grandparents, oh, any so of it. Sad. It's so sad. Yeah. But, but I do appreciate Michelle's so kind and sends me pictures regularly with some outfits that I got him or just him being super smiley and cute and it brightens my day every time. So thank you for doing that, Michelle. Uh, oh my gosh. I, I just can't with him. He's so cute. Ah. Actually, that's one of your hobbies. Do you want to talk about it? Oh yeah. Mom life. <laughs> that's pretty much my only hobby anymore because at this point as a working mom, I, I never really stepped back from work from the day that I had Graham. I was already working to the whatever capacity I could in every moment and every day. And that means you sacrifice fun things and any other luxury in life, <laughs> pretty much, which I thought was going to be really hard. And I was actually ter terrified of it. I thought, okay, when, once I have a kid, I'm, I'm basically giving up my life and my life becomes my kid. But I've, I've found it to be actually quite the opposite. I, I so, so love being a mom to Graham and all the little adventures we go through and all the smiles. And he's just so sweet and inspires me in my work. So he, so spending it, they balance each other really well mo for the most part. But it means I haven't had too much time for other hobbies other than growing my little tomatoes and my basil plants and trying to start reading again, which I'm looking forward to. Now that it's so sunny here in Sacramento and beautiful and even the nights are so nice, I try and at least go outside. And so I'll bring my... When Graham's taking a nap, I'll bring my computer and work outside so that while I don't have the time to go outside for leisure walks or go running or have like mom free time. I feel like I'm on a vacation while I'm working. <laughs> I have one more thing that I forgot, which is exercising. I was not a big exerciser before and now I am, which is nice. At some point I felt kind of icky for how little I was moving. I wasn't dancing. I wasn't doing much. The only exercise I was doing was taking Eddie on a walk, which I didn't feel was getting up my heart rate or helping me build muscle. And in fact, I was actually losing muscle and I just felt like I wasn't feeling healthy. And so a friend of mine and I started doing 
the YouTube videos together at the same time, we would call each other on Skype and I would put her right there and then we would do the same video. Um, actually, someone from our podcast, Anna Alarcon, what has a, a YouTube channel called Veg Life and she does YouTube videos where she works out for short periods of time, like 15 minutes or 12 minutes. And that was right up our alley. It's hard workouts for 12 minutes. And you're just feeling like, afterward. And so that was right up our alley. And we started with those. And then my gym started hosting outdoor group classes. And now I'm way into them. So I go to boot camp and I go to Zumba and I'm friends with the people who, who go. And I really love it. Some other favorite things that we just figured we'd share some other favorite things. <laughs> One of the things which has kind of become a hobby of mine is cloth diapering. So this is definitely in the mama ter- territory. If any of you are future going to be mamas in the future or dadas, parents, listen up. Cloth diapering is awesome. I decided to cloth diaper Graham months before having him for mostly environmental environmental and sustainability reasons. I, a baby can go through like 7,000 disposable diapers in their short time as little children that are just thrown in the trash. And that is so wasteful and awful. And I just, yeah, I try, I'm trying to be as conscious I can, as I can in the decisions I make with raising Graham to lighten the toll on our planet. And so one of those choices was to use cloth diapers. Now, if you are a generation beyond myself, (laughs) you're probably thinking of cloth diapers as those little just cloths that you snap together, even with bobby pins or something like that. But today, modern cloth diapers are so nice and they have cute patterns. They're just made with like snaps or Velcro and make it really can no more no more inconvenient than using a disposable diaper. You just have to wash them in between. And I thought it was going to be kind of overwhelming having an, a new child and also having to run lots of loads of laundry. But I've been really pleasantly surprised. They've been working out really well. And yeah, it's a great way to avoid diaper rash, save a ton of money. Like we're talking thousands of dollars, do something more sustainable and help the planet while while you're at it. And then yeah, it's been going great. So I I created a whole guide to cloth diapering on World of Vegan. So if anyone is interested in that, you can check it out. I share all my tips, what to do, what not to do, what I use at worldofvegan.com slash cloth diapers, cloth hyphen diapers, but we'll link all that. On that note, in my cloth diapering journey, I discovered something that I now use for regular clothes and things as well, which is the concept of sun bleaching which was new to me, I did not realize this. So with cloth diapers, if things get stained or start looking a little bit dark or whatever on on a white fabric, you can actually just wet the fabric, stick it in the sun for an hour or a couple hours and it bleach magically takes the stain out. So it's beautiful and white again. Like it works better than bleach or any of the things. (laughs) And I was just blown away by the house worked. And then another thing happened where I got a stain on a shirt that was lighter in color. And I was like, hmm, let me just try sun bleaching this. And I put it out in the sun and it pulled the stain out. And it's just magic. You guys have got to try it if you guys ever have stain. Michelle, do you have to spray something on there? Nope. I You just wet it. So you put water on it and then put it in the sun. And I, I'm not sure it might work with some types of stains and not others, but it, whatever it is, has blown me away. <laughs> well, yeah. some things I've been loving are watching pollinators in my garden. 
I love it big time. I can sit out there. Yeah. Butterflies though, and, and dragonflies and moths, all of them are so fascinating to me. And they all, I've planted a bunch of different flowers and each flower has its own pollinator or, or a couple pollinators. And I just think that's so cool. And uh, we ripped out our lawn earlier this year and planted 120 different native plants, including lots of flowers or drought, drought tolerant. And it, it's just so beautiful. And then with that, getting sunshine has become something I used to really stay out of the sun, which made my vitamin D a little bit lower. And I have a lot of feelings about why I stayed out of the sun as partly because of my upbringing and my grandma didn't want me to be dark and I'm just naturally darker. Uh, And now I've kind of embraced it. I stopped caring as much and let go of that like childhood idea that I had. And yeah, I feel, I feel great being in the sun and hanging out in my garden. And then lastly, I used to feel like I wanted to leave all of the time. I had such a busy schedule pre-COVID and I was traveling for work. I was having dancing multiple times a week. I was always looking for opportunities to be productive and feel busy. And now I've really been appreciating being at home and for the first time just feeling settled. And that's that's really nice. Yay for being home. My favorite thing in the world. <laughs> but there are things that we really miss. It's been nice to recharge at home, but we do miss so many things that we would have been doing otherwise. I I missed my honeymoon. We were going to do a delayed honeymoon after I got married. I went on a book tour and we delayed our honeymoon one year and we were going to go on our one year anniversary to Belize and that got canceled, which was really sad. What do you miss? Yeah. I mean, number one is just family. So we have a new baby and for these this first chapter of his life, he's not getting to see his grandparents, his his uncle, his aunts, his, his family. He's just not even getting to meet many of them, which breaks my heart. But obviously in perspective, he will see them again, hopefully one day. <laughs> uh, but yeah, other, other fun things just like that we usually do over the summer, like we usually go river rafting, which we could do, but we have a new baby. So some of these are not pandemic things. They're just like life is changing when you become a parent. Tony, I miss you. I used to see Tony like every week, pretty much, or every couple of weeks when we'd go a couple of weeks that felt like a really long time. And so, yeah, I just really miss being able to just get together and be creative together and work on projects together and record this podcast together. <laughs> I really miss that too. But I will say there's something, although we haven't gotten to see each other in person, which is a real bummer, I feel like we've gotten to spend a lot of time on the phone working together and also catching up a lot more than we would otherwise. So I feel like although we would spend one day a week all day working on something, now we're on the phone. I feel like maybe every day just weaving work and personal life lives together, which has been, I love it. I love, I love catching up with you. I miss dinner parties and barbecues. Barbecue, one of the things that 
when we bought a house, we really wanted to make sure it was a place for entertaining because my husband is really extroverted and really loves entertaining. And, uh, and so we finally got a house last year and then the pandemic happened early this year. So we didn't get to spend much time entertaining and we have this big backyard and a big, beautiful dining room table that just doesn't see a lot of guests and then dancing. I miss dancing. I used to dance all the time. I love swing dancing and that human connection that I felt and experiencing musicality and listening to my favorite music is is on hold. Womp womp. That's really sad to me. Yeah, that's hard. It is hard. Luckily, there's all sorts of things we've been loving that take the place of the things that we miss. And I think it's so important at times like these where things are different to try and focus on the positive. And and if you're stuck at home or if things are different, find ways to make them awesome or even better than what could have been. Even things like walking, hiking, we've been cooking, gardening, home, home improvements, reading more, picnics, learning, working, connecting in new ways. There's so many beautiful things that can come from this different life situation. So yeah, do what we can to focus on the positives. Lastly, what cool things are you working on, Michelle? Oh my gosh, so much. So in every spare moment, I'm working on creative projects for through World of Vegan for the most part. We recently re- released our next Draw My Life video. So we have a whole series of Draw My Life videos that show the life of an animal from an animal's perspective, but it's hand-drawn through illustrations. These are YouTube videos that enable people to see what's going on behind closed doors without having to watch graphic undercover footage. Um, so they've been really valuable as an sort of advocacy tool. And our last one was on deep sea bottom trawling. And if you've never heard that before, I encourage you to watch the video. We will link it in the show notes, but it's told from the perspective of a sea turtle. So, oh, and this is the first time that we're having them done by a different artist and they're just done so, so beautifully. So yeah, I hope you guys will check that out. And we're already working on our next one, which is going to be about shark finning. And shark finning is so, so heartbreaking. Millions of sharks are just pulled out of the water. Their fins are cut off and then they're dumped back into the water. They sink to the bottom and they're aware, conscious, alive, but they have no fins. So they they just suffocate at the bottom of the ocean. It's heartbreaking. Anyway, I'm excited to finally be working on more of those Draw My Life videos and lots more... more content that I've that has been on my to-do list for so long for some reason in this chapter where now I'm busier than ever. I'm also now that I have a team and I I know how valuable my time is, I'm trying to bring those to the top of my list. So I finally put together a how to start a blog article for anyone out there who might want to start um start blogging, whether it's about food or lifestyle or whatever topics politics, whatever topics are important to you, that's a great way to sort of do some advocacy. Um, And we started creating some printable coloring pages on World of Vegan. That's a nice tool for people who are home in the pandemic with either with kids or even as adults who just need some Zen time. We started offering printable coloring pages, which are cool. So much art. So I've been working with various artists um, through World of Vegan to create artwork that has a message. Um, and it could be as simple as like, hey, don't throw away your broccoli stalks. Your broccoli stalks can be delicious in soups to 
kind of things that have more information about the wool industry, whatever it is, graphics with a message. And now we have over 100 graphics that we share mostly through Instagram. So just on my at vegan Instagram channel or Instagram page. But yeah, it's just, it's something that I, that I've always loved seeing art that has a message and something that I found really powerful through my decade as, as a vegan and, and as an animal activist too, an advocate. So yeah, that's been really fun to work on. And I know Tony's started creating art through plant-based on a budget too, that are really awesome. So we work with the same artist too. So that's, that's cool. Um, so yeah, if you don't follow us on Instagram and you're looking for some inspiration, I encourage you to, um, lots of guides. Uh, so our newest team member at world of vegan, her name's Gina. She's incredible. And she has a million interests that she dives way into and becomes an expert on. So it's just so cool knowing people like that who have so many diverse passions and are good at so many different things. The one of the things she loves doing is knitting. And so she wrote a guide to vegan knitting that talks about vegan wool and just, just these things that they're looking on the internet. I didn't see one out there that was good and that helpful and comprehensive. So it's cool to be putting together things like that, a guide to cruelty-free solid shampoos, yada, yada, yada. Lots of stuff, lots of fun content things happening. Oh yeah, and YouTube. I've been working on lots of videos, which has been really fun. We started doing a vegan at fast food restaurants series. So showing things like El Pollo Loco just launched, um, recently launched vegan chicken. So they have vegan chicken burritos and vegan tacos. And so we go and film like what you can get vegan at different fast food restaurants. And we're also coming out with guides for all of that on World of Vegan. And yeah, it's been really fun. And what I eat in the day videos, I've actually, I've been trying to do at least one a month. Um, and I, it's, it's kind of special because one of the reasons why I really want to keep doing them is because I, I really do take it into the day in my life. So I'll have, I have little clips of Graham in there, little baby Graham. And so having those like memories for myself too, as he grows up, even though the main focus is food and what we're eating, it's special to be able to have those little chapters of his life as he grows captured in a way. Yeah. I'm very excited about our cookbook. You haven't yet pre-ordered. Please pre-order. Those numbers are really important in helping us get distribution. And so not only that, it just would make our whole day to know that you got it. So once you buy it, you will go to your website and tell us that you bought it and we'll make sure you get the digital PDF, which has four of our favorite recipes. So please do that. I, like Michelle, am creating lots of new content, videos, art. Um, we're on TikTok at Plant Based on Budget, lots of new recipes. And then of course, we're planning season three of our podcast, which I'm really excited about. And uh, we have we have kind of a different thing going on with season three. You'll hear more of Michelle and I. That's that's kind of what we're planning with the pandemic, but either way, it's going to be amazing. I'm looking forward to it. And lots of virtual cooking demonstrations. The way things are going right now, people are shifting how they're hosting their events. So what once was an in-person event is now held on online. And so I've been doing a lot of cooking demonstrations virtually. And then my favorite thing is managing my team. I've got now six people in addition to myself who are working with plant-based on a budget. And 
They just do such a fantastic job. And it's just really an honor to work with such talented, dedicated people who love plant-based on a budget as much as I do. So that's what I've got going on. Awesome. Well, I know this was a longer episode. Thank you all for bearing with us. I hope um, this was helpful and maybe we shared some things that you can integrate into your own lives. Again, we'll conclude all the links to everything at plantpoweredpodcast.com. You can click on this episode. It's the bonus episode and find it there. Our next season is launching on October 1st and that's season three. And we have so much exciting content coming for you in the podcast. We've been really, really working hard on that. So we can't wait to start sharing those. And as always, we'll be publishing a new episode every two weeks on the first of the month and the 15th of the month. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And... Yeah, I hope you all are doing really well or at least okay managing this time despite all of the struggles and just everything going on in our world right now. We are sending you so much love, big friendly hugs from our house to yours, friendly virtual hugs. I know for some people, they haven't even had a hug in months, which is just crazy to think about. So we're sending so much love your way. Thank you for listening. (laughs) If you want to give this podcast a review, you can always do so on the iTunes podcast thingy, my bobber. (laughs) We so appreciate that. And um, yeah, if you want to pre-order our cookbook and be one of the very first to receive it in your home and start cooking from it, it would mean the world to us. The Friendly Vegan Cookbook, coming soon. All right, thank you all. Have the most beautiful day and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.